out to Walker. Walker away to Tarp, and then it's gone on to Gagai. And Dane's gone through. Walker's there supporting, and he puts it over the line for a finals try. A couple of plays of the game. The Panthers are going to be first after this. It's been ugly. They've been far from their best. Cleary straight through. The way it's come, a long ball over the top. Katara, the trick finish. Big Lazarus League. Hello, welcome to Big Les's League and all rugby league experience. I am your host, Big Les, and welcome to part four of the season review. Let's go through it. Today, we're going to be going through the Roosters, we're going to be going through the Eels, and we're going to be going through the Manly Seagulls. It is going to be a very, very eventful uh, podcast today. It's going to have a lot of content in it. Probably might go for a bit longer than the other ones. I've got a shitload of notes, so... Get ready, sit back, relax, and enjoy this one, guys. Let's start off with the Sydney Roosters, right? They, I predicted, I predicted them to finish about fifth. They actually finished fifth, so I got that one right. Um, bit of a genius, nah, jokes. Um, sixteen wins, eight losses. Really great season there from the Sydney Roosters. Uh, they they played some fantastic footy, especially with the injuries. You you simply can't talk about the Roosters 2021 season without addressing the massive injury toll that the club suffered. And well, I guess we'll cover that a bit later in, in terms of depth, but geez, every time a superstar went down, a youngster stepped up to fill the, to fill the void. And I guess that's just the Roosters way. Uh, they just had a fantastic season in my opinion. For most of the season, the Roosters looked like top a top four side and, this despite, <laughs> this was despite, as I said, the ridiculous, the ridiculous injury toll that they had. It was about 50% or more of their squad out with injuries. And that's the starting squad, by the way. So that was just absolutely hectic. Obviously, Lindsay Collins, Luke Keary, Beemoz, and, well, Beemoz got injured uh, late in the season and had to announce his retirement. Cordner, Jake Friend had to announce their retirements or, Oh, it was just it was just insane. It was just an insane season for the Roosters and they coped really, really well and to come fifth in a season like that. Geez, that's scary for twenty twenty two. Now let's talk about this guy for a second. While most fullback attention in twenty twenty one centered around Ryan Papenhausen uh, earlier in the season, obviously before the concussion, and then Tom Travojevic later in the season after coming back from that um, hamstring injury, slipping over in the shower, uh, pulling a hammy while racing Harry Grant down a crowded street. You you call it whatever you want, but uh, while all these guys were in the spotlight, it was. I think James Tedesco should not be forgotten. Uh, <laughs> while the foundation, while the pretty much the foundations fell down around him, Tedesco put the entire club and their hopes on his back. In my opinion. He is the reason the Roosters made the finals for sure. He just really set a standard in that in that club, especially with all the stuff they were going through. He really set the standard of no excuses mentality. One goes down, another guy will rise, and 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 that mentality seriously, um, it was the reason the Roosters came fifth and uh, why they played such good footy all throughout this season. So across his 22 games that Tedesco played, which included two finals appearances, he scored five tries, set up 22 tries, made 17 line breaks, broke 
145 tackles and ran for over 180 metres per game. So great effort on the field by Tedesco. And look, I've had the argument that people would take 2019 Tedesco over 2021 Tedesco or even 2020 Tedesco over 2021 Tedesco. Personally, I wouldn't at all. I'd be taking 2021 Tedesco because the leadership that he showed and the stats that he's pulling up here are just amazing. And even if it's not as much as it was back in 2019, Tedesco, probably one of the best fullbacks in the game. He was just absolutely incredible in, in 2021. And in any other year, I think he would have received the fullback of the year award for sure. But I think T- Tom Trevojevic definitely did deserve it after the year he had, comparing him to Hayne and Ben Barber guys like that but Tedesco was definitely insane and as I said in any other year he's the fullback of the year for sure. For a season or so we heard the hype Ben Walker's kid would be playing rugby league no one even probably Trent Trent other than Trent Robinson could have seen Sam Walker's 2021 season coming uh, I definitely didn't. I didn't. I honestly, I was one of those guys that was sitting back and saying, "There's a lot of hype around this kid." I don't know if he's up to all the hype. He debuted in round four and he was thrown into the deep end. Cleary, obviously, with the season-ending injury, meant that Walker would have to become the main man right away. He responded with eight tries, 19 try assists, nine force dropouts, 22 line breaks, 123 kicking meters per game, and a Dallium Rookie of the Year award. And looking back on his stats, it's actually better than Kyle Flanagan when he played for the Roosters with Luke Keery. So that is just insane. Those stats are insane. Without Luke Keery, without the main boys around him getting these sort of stats, it is just fantastic. And the crazy part about him is that Drew Hutchinson also looked good. So I think it will be a fight between those two for that number six spot. I've been saying for a while now that I really rate Drew Hutchinson and he could possibly get it. But just looking at these stats here, I'm almost changing my mind. I think that it will be a tough bout between Sam Walker and Drew Hutchinson for that starting spot. And I think the one that doesn't start will definitely be 14 off the bench. Now, despite every roadblock, I'm still not entirely sure how this side managed to overcome everything to finish fifth. And that is, uh, it is just insane. Trent Robinson is arguably the best coach in the game. If not, he's certainly in the top three for me. Um... He pretty much oversaw uh, something special in this Roosters side, especially with all the injuries. And he, it was just such good coaching, brilliant leadership, and some freakish youngsters. Seems the obvious answer for me, but even so, there, is st- there isn't a side in the game who could match this effort. I'm telling you right now, if you took Tom Trevojevic, uh, Daly Troy Evans, Jake Trevojevic, out of the Manly side, they, f- they finish in the wooden spoon. And I'm telling you that right now, same as for Melbourne, if you took Pappenhausen, Cameron Munster, Jerome Hughes, Dale um out of the, that Melbourne side, even take out Brandon Smith and Harry Grant as well, you take out all the star players, they lose as well. So the effort that the Roosters put in this season was just fantastic. And I really, really... Um, the Roosters deserve a lot of credit after this season. 
Now, Joseph Sawali put aside some massive pressure to make five appearances midway through the season. Uh, he looks every bit of a player who the Roosters hoped he would uh, after being poached from South. And um, <laughs> now, I, I was talking. I I I could be one to admit I was talking a bit of bit of smack about this guy. I, I, I was a bit angry that he left South, and I was just one of those classic South supporters that was like, oh. He's just another rookie. He's just another eighteen-year-old. It's nothing special. Da da da. And I really ate my words. I really, um, yeah, I just ate my words pretty much. Just watching him in that first game, he was sensational. And the fact that he played up around with the boys around him, the fact that he really settled into first grade in his first game was just incredible for me. Joseph Sawali, big credit to him, and I can't wait to see a bit more of him. Hopefully. In 2022, uh, he's a fantastic player, Joseph Sawali. Adam Kieran also stepped up in the centre position and was extraordinary. And I actually see him playing centre next year for the Roosters. In my opinion, I think that, honestly, I think Trent Robinson's going to be reviewing this side. Obviously, with the other guys like Connor Watson and Renner Fatoni coming in. Uh, and all the players he is getting back from injury, Billy Smith included, he's really going to look at this side. And honestly, if I was T-Rob right now, I'd be chucking Adam Kieran in the centers because he was extraordinary this season. I feel like he's one of those calm head halves as well. But putting him in that center position, he doesn't overplay anything that he does. He always waits for the right moments. His defense is unreal. His attack is unreal fantastic goal kicker, which I think is what the Roosters do need. So I would love to see him in that center position come 2022. I think he's going to be unreal. Another guy that doesn't really get talked about this season either is Lachlan Lamb. He played multiple positions, halfback, 5'8", hooker, center, you name it. He played there. I think even on the wing as well, whilst players like Brett Morris were literally pulling, doing ACLs, uh, he was out there playing all the positions and making up for the, the losses that the Roosters had. And he was sensational. Another guy I want to mention here is Joseph Manu, fullback, centre, 5'8", winger. Joseph Manu is unreal, versatile, uh, fantastic in, in attack. You honestly don't know what he's going to do next. He's a true legend of the... <laughs> he's just a legend. He's an absolute legend. He's just extraordinary and... I can't wait to see Manu in 2022, and I, I, I think he'll just be fantastic again. I, I can't really tell you that he won't because I'd be lying. Um, he's just fantastic. I mean, you throw... He also had that broken jaw injury as well in the last few games. Obviously, that horrific hit from um, Latrell Mitchell, which, by the way, do not do not um, give talk shit about Latrell Mitchell and after that one. Um, it was totally an accident. Latrell Mitchell, fantastic player. And it's not in his game to be doing that, Latrell Mitchell. And I know he's had some incidents in the past with suspensions and whatnot, but he wouldn't do that on purpose. It was all an accident. And I can see that from watching it. I knew it was an accident straight away. And it was just unfortunate that Joseph Manu had to miss the rest of that season. Other guys that were out as well, Boyd Cordner was unable to make it onto the field this season and he was also forced into an early retirement due to the repeated head knocks. And then Brett Morris, we've already talked about, but Jake Friend as well were also forced to retire early. Uh, 
early, much earlier than they had hoped, uh, by the way, due to injury. So really unfortunate for the Roosters. So you chuck in all those injuries, all the late injuries they got before the finals to make to make it fifth and to make it into that um, preliminary final was just unreal from the Roosters. And geez, I'm shitting the bed right now for 2022 because I'm a mad South supporter and I think we're going to get absolutely smashed. Um, but who knows? Souths could go well, and I'm hoping they do because I don't want to lose to the Roosters. Um, but, yeah, it, it's going to be a scary thought, the Roosters coming into 2021, and they could be definitely they definitely could be in the race for a premiership. I'm telling you that right now. Now, finishing up with the Roosters, going on to the next team, the Parramatta Eels. Now, their predicted finish was fourth. Everyone was thinking, surely they can't be... They can't choke again this year. Surely, surely they can at least, at least come forth, at least get to that, um, at least uh, go a bit further, maybe make a grand final. Come on. Um, predicted fourth, they finished sixth, 15 wins and nine losses. Now, I'm telling you this right now, the Eels entered the, the season ranging anywhere from top four hopefuls to at least somewhere in the top eight which they did. They did. They got to the top eight. Uh, and in the final series was amazing, but we'll get to that a bit later. Now, truthfully, they never really reached those heights. Uh, and they did. They, they made the top eight, but they never really reached those heights during the season. Uh, they were quite unlucky as well to lose Reed Mahoney. As I said, we'll get into that a bit later, but uh, some of their results were just really laughable during the season. Um, the fact that they went on that huge losing streak was just really hard to see from the Parramatta Eels. Obviously, watching them in the last few seasons, they don't really do that. Um, but at the start of the season, they were awesome. At the end of the season, they were even better. Uh, but it was just not sweet in the middle. It wasn't that uh, that enjoyable to watch uh, mid-season for the Parramatta Eels. Now, over the years, they've built a club capable of winning a premiership. That said, in 2021, as with years prior, the Eels' big stars failed to fire too often. The Eels are the most difficult team in the game to sum up. One moment they look like genuine titles contenders, the next you wonder whether they've even played finals footy. Uh, how they've even played finals footy, sorry. Um, just reading off my notes. Uh, and, and it's And it's true. Some points you're like, fuck, the Eels are a really good side. And then the other moments you're like, fuck, they're not. They're terrible. What the fuck is the Eels doing? Um, but yeah, look, I mean, the end of the season, the way they finished the season was incredible. Uh, the Eels, and they actually looked like finals contenders, real finals contenders in the last few games. But everything before that, look, the start of the season, well, as I said, the start of the season, really good. Middle season, questionable. And then the end of the season was pretty good there from the Parramatta Eels. Now, ultimately, they fell short, two, point, uh, two points short of the eventual premiers in one of the best finals games we've seen in recent years. And that that Penrith Para game, to get into that grand final, was crazy. That was crazy. Parramatta really took it to them. It Honestly, I thought that Parramatta were going to win at one stage. I thought Parramatta were going to be in that grand final. It was just 
crazy. They started strong and they ended strong, but there was a few errors right at the end that just cost them, in my opinion. Um, but the Eels, they really, really brought it to the Penrith Panthers, and that's really hard to say for me. Penrith Panthers being one of the best defensive teams in the comp, their last few games, one against one against the Melbourne Storm and one against uh, the, Par- the Parramatta Eels, obviously. The Penrith Panthers, it was really, really small points. It was really close games. Eight to six was the score of the the Penrith and, and, and Parra game. It was really close and it was such a good game. And as it says here, one of the best finals games we've seen in recent years for sure. And that grand final being one of them as well. That was just fantastic. But we'll get to, we'll talk about that later when we talk about the top two. Um, now, Papali'i was amongst the game's best players in 2021, and you have to agree with that. He was the buy of the season for sure this year. Uh, he was awarded a spot in the Daily M Team of the Year as the game's former second rower. Uh, the inform second row. So that uh, means inform second rower, not former as in he was a second rower. Form as in he was in good form. Um, and he was. He was in good form all year, in my opinion. And it was a bit weird them shifting him into the front row and onto the bench, considering he was such a good starting back rower. Um, anyway, across 27 appearances, including the finals, he scored seven tries, ran for a bang on 150 metres per game, broke an eye-watering 109 tackles, and tackled at over 94%. That is unreal there from a guy like Isaiah Papali'i, who, if he stayed at the Warriors, we probably wouldn't have heard of this guy. Those stats are incredible. Buy of the year, he was just amazing, Isaiah Papali'i. But another guy I want to talk about here, and he was just fantastic for the Parramatta Eels. Obviously, um, unfortunate that he was injured with that shoulder injury. But I want to praise the incredible efforts of Reid Mahoney. Now, 2021 was the season when Mahoney pretty much graduated from a handy first grader to origin quality. He should have played origin one given the form he was in. Unlucky with that shoulder injury. Unlucky us. But anyway, uh, Mahoney has been a long known for his incredible defense. And it, it definitely was that. He made 763 tackles at at 96.1% tackle efficiency. He developed his attack as well in 2021. Three tries, 13 try assists, 13 line break, assi- uh, line break assists this season for the headgear-wearing future rep player. He is amazing. In comparison, in 2020, he laid on three try assists. So, <laughs> from three try assists in 2020 to 13 in 2021, as well as the other stats mentioned, he has definitely had some huge improvement. And I could definitely say with some confidence that he's definitely not the best hooker in the game, but he's in the conversation for sure. Uh, the pre- It was a pretty much a prelim-worthy season for the Parramatta Eels. Now, this is probably one of the biggest topics of discussions after that uh, Parramatta uh, and Penrith uh, game to 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 go on to verse the storm in the next week. This was probably the biggest topic of discussion. Now, 
if the Eels got that last play right, if that pass had gone straight to Junior Paulo, Junior Paulo barges over, Parramatta win the game. They line up against the Storm in the preliminary final. Do they win? I don't know. But and they, but I'll tell you what though, they definitely matched it with the Penrith Panthers for all 80 minutes of that game. It was just sensational and I could probably talk about that game all day, but I'll save you the trouble. Uh, we'll keep going with this review um, because I know that if I did talk about it all day, my dry throat would become even drier. So we'll keep going with this review. The Eels were the only team to beat the Storm twice in the regular season, and that is a huge achievement. I think they did it the year before as well. Now, to think that the two, to think that two of the Storm's three losses came to one club is crazy. Thinking about the season the Storm had, which we'll get to in the podcast after this, I mean, it is just insane to think about, um, especially against a team like the Eels, who the middle part of their season was just not to scratch. To beat the Storm twice once coming up against them, I think that was just insane. Now, the Eels' stats were very, very solid. They finished the fourth best defensive side and the seventh best attacking side across the regular season. Apart from a three-week stretch where they were blown out by the Roosters, the Bunnies and the Seagulls, they were competitive all season long and they deserve to play in that prelim for sure. Now, the Eels really set the tone early, flying out of the gates. They won their first round games and nine out of their first 10 that is, and then to think that they went on to lose progressively and consistency consistently was just crazy after a record like that nine out of 10 of their first games won and then to go on and consistently lose games I mean that is a real head scratcher there they were far from easy games as well I mean they also just beat the Roosters, Raiders, and the eventual minor premiers, the Storm. So, really, uh, huge credit there to the Parramatta Eels for the back end and the start of their season. Uh, they they definitely started off well, and and they ended their season on a good note. I think that is the most important part. They ended their season on a really good note. The lone loss in their first ten games was against the Dragons, and that again a real head scratcher. And I think that really just set them on their way uh, for that losing streak that they did have midway through the season. Uh, Dylan Brown as well. I want to just give a big mention to Dylan Brown. He is just a wonderful player with a huge future. His 2020 was magnificent in the halves, combination with Mitch Moses. He looks like a genuine winner. That said, though, his production was well down in 2021. Uh, So much so that he contributed two tries across his 21 appearances. So, Gutho got 20. Moses got 21. If you said the halves and fullbacks were combined for 42 tries, I'm not guessing this breakdown. Two tries from Dylan Brown. Not really the best stats there from him, but even still, while the attack went down, the defense went up. His tackle efficiency for the year, Dylan Brown, was 95.7. So a good year of defense. I think the attack needs to be improved a little bit if the Eels are looking to play some premiership football. 
Uh, but honestly, uh, it, it is just down to Mitchell Moses and the boys. Gutho, how much they want that grand final. And I think that last game of the season they played against the Penrith Panthers definitely shows that they want it bad. Now, Manly whipping boys. If there's one team the Eels hate losing to, it is the Manly Seagulls. This para-Manly rivalry is not a friendly one. It's full of history and plenty of battles. Manly's 28-6 win over the Eels in round 11 was bad enough. The Eels were 9-1 at that stage, but fans were smarting that from that loss. Round 22 was shaped as an opportunity for revenge, but instead saw the Eels whooped 56-10 on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, it, it was... Yeah, I mean, I don't really sum the se- season of the Eels up like that. As I said, to sum up this season, going into 2022, I think that the Eels really need to uh, just in- improve in terms of how much they want to win games. Guys like Gutho, Moses, having that consistency, can they consi- can they get those 20 try assists next year in 2022? Can Dylan Brown also get that 20 try assists in 2022? Does his attack improve? Does his offense stay consistent? Do the boys go in for a awesome grand final? I think that the Eels definitely deserve it. If there's any team that deserves a grand final, it is the Parramatta Eels. So really looking forward to seeing the Eels and how they go in 2022. Now, last but definitely not least for this part four of my 2021 season review, the Manly Seagulls. Now, they had 16 wins, 8 losses. Tom Trevojevic was one of the most prolific players to wear the maroon and white that I think I've seen since Brett Stewart. Uh, He was just unreal. He could definitely have been argued to have a similar season to the likes of Jared Hayne and to the likes of Ben Barber way back when. He has been compared to those boys. I think, personally, he could even be better. He was fantastic this season. He was he capped off a captivating season with the Seagulls by winning the Daily Air Medal as well. Now, honestly, I could talk about this guy all day. He was fantastic for the Manly Seagulls. He scored 20, 25 tries in the regular season, adding to a further three in the final series, along with 30 try assists. Also, so after missing parts of the season due to injury. So, what? He missed about, I'd say, oh, he missed a few games. Oh, maybe seven to ten games through injury. And still, 25 tries, 30 try assists. Doesn't that just blow you away? He has had a fantastic season. And that's why I think it was a bit better than those that Jared Hayne year that he was awesome and the Ben Barber year where he was awesome. I think that Tom Trevojevic in 2021 is super awesome. He was just, as I said, prolific performance from Tom Trevojevic. Now, not to be predicted high up in the top eight at all. Once they lost Tom Trevojevic, there was a question of, does he medically retire? Is he going to be available for the rest of the season? What's going on with Tom Trevojevic? That was the main question going on when mainly we're going through their wooden spoon, I would say, drought. They were wooden spoon 
contenders without Tom Trevojevic. And they finished in the top four when Tom Trevojevic comes back. We were saying, now I'm going to say it again, we were saying they were going to finish in the wooden spoon because they didn't have Tom Trevojevic. Tom Trevojevic comes back and they get to the top four. Can't you see the impact that this guy has? He is just amazing for this side. And I honestly can't wait to see Tom Trevojevic to see if he's consistent throughout 2022. Now, boasting a lineup that involved experience in Captain Daly Trey Evans and Coach Des Hasler after a 0-4 start to their season. Obviously, that was because Tom Trevojevic was out. Uh, the season completed a strong turnaround in 2021. Manly was one of the best teams in the league when it when it was on the attack, which contributed to its charge up the ladder and eventual top four placing at the conclusion of the regular season. The Seagulls were the second best side in breaking the line of their opponents, doing it so on 175 occasions. 175 line breaks. Get out of town. That is crazy. Similarly, I'm using similarly. I'm writing a freaking year 10 English essay right here. Similarly, the Eagles ranked second for tackle breaks with 936. 936 tackle breaks in 2021. Are you for real? Nearly a thousand. A thousand, ladies and gentlemen leading to the team gaining more running meters and getting further towards a try further towards the try line Jesus Christ I cannot read today but that this season was incredible from Tom Trevojevic. he basically initiated all of this success well if not 99.9% of it that 0.0 0.1% is what we'll be talking about in a second. But 99.9% uh, Tom Trevojevic take a bow. The side's ability to run with ball in hand allowed them to gain greater amount of meterage up the ground. Ending up, with in, the t- ending up in the top five among run meters, all runs and kick return meters. Winger Ruben Garrick had 4,234 of the Seagulls, 4,784 run meters for the entire year. Let me read that again. Ruben Garrick had 4,234 of the Seagulls. This is the whole team. 4,784 run meters for the entire year. Year, are you for real? And and we're talking about having Tom Trevojevic in this side as well. Wow, Ruben Garrick, take a bow. Here is your zero point zero one percent. All right, here, Ruben Garrick, and Jesus, zero point one zero one percent is big. It is big, and we're talking about a bunch of guys here, not just Ruben Garrick. But do you see why I hype this guy up now? He's fantastic, Ruben Garrick. He's going to be awesome next year. He's going to be awesome the year after that. He's going to be awesome after the year. Awesome the year after that. I'm predicting this guy to have a fantastic career, and you can see why. 
Those stats are unreal. He also ranked second for line breaks with 38. 38 line breaks. He is just an evasive king. His goal kicking is sensational. Everything from Ruben Garrick is sensational. I have huge... I, I rate this guy a lot, Ruben Garrick. I think he's amazing. Amazing. Now... The Seagulls were at times hampered by slow starts to their matchups throughout the season, often giving up early tries to their opposition, especially within the first 15 minutes of games. Overall, 13 of their 24 regular season games saw their opponents draw first blood, and in 15 games of the home and away, of the home and away season, Jesus Christ, that was a weird burp. In their first. In their first 15 games of the home and away season, it saw their opponents score within the first 15 minutes. In two of their three finals, their opponents scored first and again within the first 15 minutes. So I think if there's one thing that the Eagles need to improve on, it is defense, uh, especially in the first 15 minutes of games. They, re- they really need to switch on from the start. Now, Ruben Garrick. Let's talk about this guy again. There's some more stats here from Ruben Garrick. He led the league in points overall with 334, which is 74 more points than the next biggest player and eight points off the all-time season record set by Bulldogs winger Hazem El Masri in 2004. I have big raps on Ruben Garrick. He's fantastic. And I could talk about this guy all day. But again, I will save you from that. It was a mixture of Garrick's try-scoring ability, his accurate goal-kicking that saw him score 23 tries for the year and 221 goals at 82% efficiency. Everything, Anything over 80% is like, it's going in. It's going in. 82%. That is crazy. I think that's... I'm pretty sure that is quite close to Adam Reynolds, to close to Jonathan Thurston's record and close to uh, Nathan Cleary's record currently as well. Um, so that is just crazy there from Ruben Garrick. Jason Saab as well. I want to mention this guy. Jason Saab showed a massive improvement for his from his p- previous two years at the Seagulls, making the wing position his own. Appearing in... In each of the club's 27 games throughout 2021, while only managing to combine in seven games from 2019 and 2021, scoring 26 tries for the year and scoring in 16 of the 27 contests. And this includes scoring a hat-trick of tries against the New Zealand Warriors in round nine and the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs in round 16. So, Jason Saab, fantastic season. Awesome guy. Really rate this guy. Absolutely love watching a bit of Jason Saab. Probably one of the fastest players in the comp as well. A lot of speed there. And you can really see the improvement. Was in all 27 games for the Manly Seagulls. And then in 2019 and 2021, when he was at the uh, St. George of the Dragons, he wasn't even playing much football. Could you imagine if this guy was playing first grade football consistently for the Dragons. I can't believe they didn't start this guy. He's just such a talented winger, so fast, and uh, I can't wait to see a bit more of Jason Saab in 2022. Now, 
There was, uh, we got to mention this, there was a bit of trouble after the loss of Tom Tarojevic, but it, they uh, they really did feel comfortable once he came back, and that is what sums up this Seagulls season. They need Tom Tarojevic in the side, for sure, for certain. Tom Tarojevic needs to be there for the Manly Seagulls to win consistently in this NRL competition. Now, other guys that really do deserve a mention before I wrap this part up, Ola Kawatu, fantastic season, really solid back rower, great ball playing skills, as well as his other second row partner, Josh Schuster, who could definitely be the future six for the club after the likes of four and retires and after the likes of uh, Daly Cherry Evans retires. By the way, Daly Cherry Evans is 31 years old, so he's not far off hanging up the boots either. So I do see Schuster wearing that six jersey. Really great ball player. He does some crazy things on the field, Shushta. Ola Kawatu, very strong, close to the line. Really love watching them two play some awesome footy. And then Morgan Harper pretty much initiated most of the tries that Saab scored. Also some initiated some tries that Tom Trevojevic scored. So he's a really good try. Uh, he's really good at setting up tries, Morgan Harper, and I actually can't wait to watch him next year as well. He's definitely one to watch as well uh, for the Manly Seagulls. So that was part four of the, the wrap-up. We did the Sydney Roosters, we did the Parramatta Eels, and we did the Manly Seagulls. In part five, which will be the, the fifth and final part, but definitely not the work that like, it will be last, but definitely not least, in the next one, in part five, we will do the South Sydney Rabbitohs, Penrith Panthers, and the Melbourne Storm. I absolutely can't wait for this one. It is going to be an absolute cracker. I really hope you guys enjoyed this one. Thank you for choosing Big Les's League at all, a rugby league experience. Recommend this podcast to a friend, and I will see you guys in the next one.